Welcome to the Power in Motion podcast. I'm your host, Kim Hagel, certified personal trainer, non-diet nutritionist, and body image coach. And I'm on a mission to help all women break free from body image hangups so they can do the amazing things they are called to do in this world. If you're looking to feel healthy, happy, and confident without dieting, restriction, and punitive workouts, or obsessing over the scale, you're in the right place. Let's lace up our runners and go for a walk while we chat. Well, hey there, friends, and welcome back to the Joyful Movement Show. I'm your host, Kim Hagel, personal trainer, registered holistic nutritionist, and body image coach. And today we're picking up where we left off last week. So this is part two of a three-part series all about fueling your body to feel and function your best using gentle nutrition. So gentle nutrition, if you missed last week's episode, is all about feeding yourself in a way that supports your health and helps you feel and function your best while also honoring your satisfaction. It's honoring the sensual experience of eating while honoring how the food makes you feel. It's having a healthy balance of food while having a healthy relationship with food. Gentle nutrition is the 10th principle of intuitive eating. And last week we talked all about how taking a gentler approach can make, quote, healthy eating feel a lot more accessible and sustainable. Because I really think that diet culture complicates the shit out of eating and makes it very confusing for people to know how to feed themselves. And that's a big part of what keeps us on the diet cycle, right? If healthy eating feels so hard and we can't figure it out or maintain it on our own, then we have to keep buying program after program. And the area of sports or fitness nutrition is no different. If you have ever belonged to a gym or taken part in any fitness challenges, then you've no doubt heard how important it is to fuel your body properly before, during, and after workouts to make sure that you get the best possible results. So if it wasn't already complicated enough to feed yourself, now you've got that added element to make sure that you eat the right types of foods at the right time to make sure that you're getting the most bang for your buck out of your workout. And if you've ever gone down this road, then you know you've kind of got two choices in how you handle that. You can count macros and make sure that you get so many grams of protein and so many grams of carbs within so many minutes before or after the workout, which means weighing and measuring your food and likely prepping it on Sundays to make sure it's ready for the week. Or you could take the easier approach but much more expensive, which is to get all the shakes and concoctions that are already perfectly balanced so you can just grab and go. And if you've never done any kind of fitness diet like this, consider yourself lucky because of all the diets I've done in my life, I'd say this is the most complicated of them all. And for the vast majority of people, it's completely unsustainable. I don't know too many people who are willing to count, measure, weigh, and track with that level of precision for more than a few months. And then the shakes and the drinks, they just often become unaffordable or you just get sick of them after a while. And then that goes by the wayside too. But the real question I want to address today is, is it even necessary? Is all of this pre and post-workout nutrition even really a thing? And I'll tell you right now that unless you're a professional or elite athlete with very specific training goals, that level of precision is definitely not necessary. 
It's only diet culture that leads you to believe it is. They will tell you how important it is to fuel your body well, to boost your performance, and to preserve muscle and burn fat. But you have to remember that in most of these challenges or plans, you are in a huge calorie deficit. Most fitness plans like these have women eating about 1,200 calories per day, which, by the way, is the caloric need of a three-year-old. And if you eat that little on an ongoing basis, your body is going to start metabolizing its own muscle to survive. So the precision in the diet is about getting as much protein as possible to preserve muscle because you're literally starving, while also giving you the least amount of carbs possible in the window where the body needs them the most, right before or after a workout, so that you have the energy to get through the workouts without tanking. So in that sense, I'm very much against pre- and post-workout nutrition, but I'm against dieting in general, which is all that that is. It's aesthetic-focused, it's not a normal or sustainable way to eat, and it's not healthy to live in a calorie-restricted state. It's just not. But does that mean that pre- and post-workout nutrition doesn't matter at all? No way. Having adequate fuel will help us feel better during our workouts and will help us progress towards our goals and will aid in recovery. But we can take a gentle nutrition approach to this too that's easy, enjoyable, and sustainable. So what I hope to accomplish today is to give you some insight into what happens inside our body during exercise so that you can understand what your body needs in terms of fueling and how you can add nutrition in. Remember last week we talked about how gentle nutrition is about adding things in as opposed to eliminating or restricting. So how we can add things in to support our body to feel and function its best. And just a point of clarification, when I'm talking about fueling our body for exercise and aiding in recovery, I'm talking about more intense forms of movement here, like speed work, heavy lifting, heavy weight lifting, circuit or HIIT training, or long endurance activities like more than 60 minutes of cycling, running, or swimming. For lower intensity or shorter duration activities, they don't deplete the body's reserves in the same way, so they generally don't require any additional fueling, although everybody's individual needs are different, of course. So let's talk about what happens inside your body during exercise. And if you can think back to your high school biology class, you might remember that our body uses ATP, adenosine triphosphate, to provide energy to move. All day long, your body is producing ATP as you go about your business. When you add in exercise, it needs more. You're moving faster, you're breathing harder, you're using more energy, so you need more ATP. Now, you might remember also that there are three ways that we can make ATP. And how we do that depends on the type of activity. And yes, in many of our activities and workouts, we can go between the three systems lots of times, but for the sake of simplicity, we'll talk about them one at a time and how they're each relevant to certain types of activity. So the first energy system is our phosphagen system. We're stored creatine phosphate in our cells very rapidly turns to ATP. So this type of energy is good for very short, like 10-second bursts of intense activity, like lifting a heavy weight or throwing a ball or jumping. The creatine phosphate in our cells is used up very quickly, 
That's why you've only got about 10 seconds worth of this type of it. But it also replenishes quickly. So if you rest, you can go again. Now, we can't really fuel this type of energy. CP production is just a part of what your cells are doing automatically inside your body. So fueling isn't really relevant to this type of activity. The second energy pathway is our glycolytic system. This is where we use blood glucose, the sugar that's traveling through our blood, and break that down into ATP. This happens very rapidly, so it's used for more intense bursts of activity lasting up to about three minutes. The reason we can only last that long with this energy system is that the byproduct of glycolytic metabolism is lactic acid, which you will recognize as the burning sensation in your muscles when you're working hard. Once lactic acid builds to a certain level, you have to slow down or stop because the muscles just can't keep going. After some rest, the lactic acid is cleared and then you can do another burst. So this energy system is what we use for interval training like uh, HIIT work or speed work. And it's also what we rely on at the start of an endurance activity like running or cycling before we hit that steady state and get into our aerobic system, which I'll talk about next. But as I said, this system relies on blood glucose. So in order to perform intense activity, you need to have glucose in your blood, meaning you have to have eaten something in the last couple of hours to provide the glucose to be able to work out. Now, all food eventually turns to glucose in our bloodstream, whether it's fat, protein, or carbs. So all food provides energy. But because carbs are the easiest molecule to turn into glucose, that's the body's preferred energy source, particularly if you're eating close to workout time because protein and fat take a couple of hours to break down. So if blood glucose is not there or not enough of it when you go to work out, that's where you'll find yourself hitting the wall or bonking, as they call it. In this type of activity, it doesn't matter what you have in terms of reserves like stored fat or stored glycogen in your muscles. The body can't access them. It needs glucose. And then our third and final pathway is the aerobic pathway that requires oxygen to metabolize carbohydrates and fat to fuel longer duration, lower intensity activities. So think longer distance running, cycling, swimming, steady state activities. In this system, your body will first metabolize blood glucose, then stored glycogen, which is any leftover glucose you consumed but didn't use that gets stored in your muscles, and then stored body fat in that order. Now, a lot of people think, okay, this is the way to go. Aerobic exercise burns fat. Yay! And you might also have heard it recommended that if you do cardio first thing in the morning in a fasted state, you'll burn more fat because there's no blood glucose to use up. And while that's sort of true, it's really faulty thinking and it's definitely not ideal. Because by the time we access our fat stores, it means that everything else is depleted. And your body really doesn't want to use up its fat reserves. They are there for our survival particularly if you're in a caloric deficit and you're not eating enough as a rule, your body's going to protect that fat at all costs. So you'll find yourself not having much energy to get through activity. You won't be able to go as long. You won't have the strength and speed and the workout just won't feel that good. 
Now, if you're eating enough in general and you're well-nourished and you have plenty of glycogen stores, then fat metabolism is much easier because you're not depleted and needing that fat to survive. So those are the three ways that we get the energy we need to get through our workout or activity. And then while we are working out, essentially what's happening is we're adding resistance or load to our muscles beyond what's used in everyday life. So this increase in resistance causes little tiny microscopic tears in the muscle fibers, which is entirely normal as long as you're not overtraining or lifting beyond your capacity. And then the body goes to work after the exercise session to repair those tears. It's really pretty miraculous. And it's in that repair work that our muscles grow and become stronger and more efficient. And nutrition's role in all of that is that the muscles use amino acids, which is what we get when protein breaks down, to make those repairs. So there's your little science lesson. And I really hope I didn't overwhelm you with that. But the main takeaway here is that is why it's so important that we have enough fuel to have the energy we need to get through the workout. And the preferred fuel source is carbs. And that we're also eating some protein to help in the recovery and repair of the muscles. So getting enough is key. It's a very dangerous myth that you should reduce food and increase activity to lose weight. You literally can't eat less if you want to exercise more, at least not long term. Underfueling chronically can result in decreased endurance performance, increased injury risk, decreased glycogen stores, which means the body will metabolize muscle, decreased muscle strength, mood changes like depression and irritability, and decreased concentration, coordination, and impaired judgment. Eating less and moving more might get you weight loss in the short term, but it will also hinder your performance, deplete your body, and potentially cause injury or other serious health issues. I'll give you a good example of this that just happened with one of my personal training clients. She's a busy mom of four young kids, and though she's definitely not dieting or trying to lose weight, she often forgets to eat with all the busyness of her life. Now, she's been working through a Couch to 5K program as she's returning to running after having her fourth baby, and she runs first thing in the morning before her husband leaves for work because it's literally the only time she has for herself. And she's been finding herself stuck at the 4K mark for quite a while. And she's feeling really slow and sluggish and sore during and after her runs. So we had a little chat about her eating habits. And it turned out she's only eating usually twice a day because she forgets to eat. She's definitely not getting enough. So we talked about ways that she could make it easy to feed herself. Like nothing complicated. We didn't even talk about protein, carbs, and fat. My suggestion to her was just try and get more food in. When you make lunch for the kids, make a lunch for yourself. Try to get some breakfast in, maybe even a few bites of a banana before the run, but definitely breakfast after the run, like literally just eat. <laughs> so she worked on that. And honestly, within a week, she nailed that 5K and it was easier and faster than any of the runs she'd done up to that point. Underfueling was hindering her results even though she was training regularly. Now, the same client mentioned how she doesn't usually feel hungry in the morning, and that's why she would forget to eat. 
So I wanted to talk about that too, because I think it's quite common that people don't feel their hunger and it can be a bit confusing, especially when one of the main principles of intuitive eating is to honor your hunger. So does that mean we shouldn't eat if we don't feel hungry? And of course, there's so many nuances to this and everybody's needs are different. But sometimes, like in this case, the answer is yes. There's a lot of different reasons why we might not feel hungry. One could be that your hunger signal is just offline. If skipping breakfast has been a pattern or a weight loss strategy for you over the years, your hunger signal might have just shut itself off. Also, if your stress levels are high, it could affect your appetite as cortisol is an appetite suppressant. And sometimes after workouts, your cortisol levels do increase during exercise. So it's quite normal after exercise to not feel hungry because of the cortisol that's running through your body. Another possible reason is that if your mornings are rushed or chaotic or your life is rushed or chaotic in general, you might be so busy doing all the things that you might not just notice that you actually are hungry. And another thing that could be going on is that if your basic needs are not being met, such as getting enough sleep and nourishment, that can just really disrupt your connection to your body. So you might not feel the sensation of hunger. So While intuitive eating encourages us to honor our hunger, it's important to question whether you're really not hungry or if you're out of touch with your hunger or if you're avoiding eating as a dieting strategy. In this client's case, it sounded like the busyness of her life distracted her from her hunger and she would forget to take care of herself. Intuitive eating is also about self-care and feeding yourself to provide the required energy for the activities that you do so that you feel and function your best. So a distinction that's important to make here is that feeling hungry is called physical hunger. The body's need for food is called practical hunger. So in terms of working out and fueling your body for the activities you want to do, Sometimes it's an issue of practical hunger and making the decision to provide your body with what it needs, even if you don't feel physical hunger. So it's really about noticing how you feel. That's how we bring our intuition into this to make that decision and know what's right for us. Some questions you can ask yourself to determine if you need more fueling are, do I have the energy I need to get through my workouts or am I hitting the wall? Do I feel energized or depleted after my workouts? Am I making progress in my strength, speed, and endurance? I mean, if that's your goal and you're trying to do that. Am I avoiding breakfast or avoiding meals or reducing calories because I think it's better for fat burning? And if that's the case, try honoring your practical hunger with a small meal before your workout and notice how doing so makes you feel during and after. And honestly, guys, what I really want you to understand here today is that the nutrition part of all of this doesn't have to be complicated. Really, it doesn't. Fitzbo would love to turn this into a page-long math formula, but it's just ridiculous. Intuitive eating works with fueling your workouts. You can still eat the foods you like and find satisfying, and you don't have to overthink, is this the right food and the right proportions at the right time? You can keep it simple and have fun with it. And when it's simple, we're much more likely to stick with it. So here's all that you really need to know. I've said it before. I'm going to say it one more time. Eat enough. You can't increase exercise and decrease calories without risking underfueling issues. So just 
make sure you're getting enough. You'll know you're getting enough if you feel full and satisfied. You aren't thinking about food constantly. You're not having uncontrollable cravings and you're not tempted to binge eat. Number two, don't be afraid of carbs. Carbs turn to glucose fastest, so they are the preferred fuel before a workout, and they also help replenish those glycogen stores after a workout. Your body knows how to make good use of carbs. Actually, it was really fascinating the other day. Um, my daughter came home after a pretty intense soccer practice, and I could tell right away like she was, she was spent, and she went straight to the fridge. And there was all kinds of food in there, everything from fruits and veggies to cheese to yogurt to pepperettes. Like there was all kinds of stuff in there that she likes. But of course, she closed the fridge and said there's nothing to eat. But quickly noticed there was a bag of Sour Patch Kids on the counter. And she grabbed it and shoved a couple in her mouth real quick. And I could instantly see her body relax. Like She took a sigh of relief and it was like she just knew that she needed that in that moment. It was such a great example of intuitive eating. She knew she needed a real quick carb in that moment. And after she ate them, she sat and had a balanced dinner with us. So we don't need to fear carbs. We don't need to fear sugar. Sometimes it's exactly what the body needs. And in fact, next week, we're going to have a guest expert on talking all about the subject of sugar. So stay tuned for that. Number three, protein is important to help repair and recover after a workout, but you don't need to overthink it. Most of us get enough protein despite what fitness culture will tell you. I've never heard of anyone in North America having a protein deficiency. So you absolutely don't need to worry about counting grams or weighing your chicken breasts. However, if you find yourself feeling sluggish or sore after a workout, you might find that adding in some protein within an hour after exercise could help. And number four is to honor your hunger. Always, always honor your hunger, but also and especially on rest days. Diet culture will have you believe that you don't need as much food on rest days, but that's not necessarily true. Rest days are when our body is integrating all of our hard work and doing that building and repairing of the muscles, so energy needs are still there. If you're hungry, eat. The body knows what it knows. All right, so that is all for today. I know we got a bit science-y in there, but the intent behind the science was to hopefully take some of the confusion out of how to feed yourself for activity. So I'd love to know if you found these tips helpful. Feel free to shoot me a message on my social media channels. I'm at Radiant Vitality Wellness. And if you're feeling like you could use some support in learning how to apply intuitive eating and unlearning all of the diet culture rules and confusing garbage that we've absorbed over the years, then have a look at the programs on my website, which is www.radiantvitality.ca. So I'll see you back here next week, and we'll be talking all about sugar with our guest expert. In the meantime, I hope that you have a great week and find some joyful movement. Be well, and here's to your Radiant Vitality. Thanks for tuning in to the Power in Motion podcast today. Ready to drop your body image hang up so you can confidently create your healthiest, happiest life? Awesome. You can get started today by taking my five-day mini course, How to Feel Great in and about your body, no matter what the scale says. Inside this five-day video training, you'll learn how to get motivated to exercise, stop cravings and binge eating, set health goals beyond the scale, eat normally without rules or a plan, and accept your body, find unshakable confidence, even if you don't love how you look. 
For just $27, you'll receive one under 10 minute video lesson per day for five days delivered straight to your inbox, reflection worksheets to help you integrate your learning and links to bonus resources to go even deeper with the work. You can get started right now by visiting radiantvitality.ca slash five day training. I'll see you inside.